Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Now here's Father Ted. The movie Forrest Gump is a unique cinematic production. I get one best Oscar and perhaps best actor as well. It won the Oscar for the best movie, I mean to say. It tells the story of this dull southern boy growing up in a very tumultuous time of American history, the late 20th century. And at one point in the movie, the protagonist, Forrest, just starts to run. And he starts to run a lot. He starts to run out of town. He starts to run across the state of Alabama. He runs through Mississippi. He eventually reaches an ocean. And then he turns around and starts running the other direction. And he begins to garner a lot of media attention. And they start to cover this famous individual who has actually run across the country a couple times. And they start to ask him questions, you know, why are you doing this? Are you doing this to raise awareness about women's rights, about the environment, about homelessness? And he keeps on running. And he eventually gets some followers too. He's being followed by this whole team of runners. He's got his own disciples, if you will. After running for a total of three years and two months and a bunch of days, he stops in the middle of the state of Utah, turns around in the middle of the road, and he says, I'm tired. I'm guess, I guess I'm going to go home now. And during the whole of this montage, recounting how he was running nonstop, he says repeatedly, I didn't really do it for any reason in particular. I just ran. They kept on asking me why, and there was no why. And that is possibly the most tragic part of that whole affair. It's tragic. It's inhuman. It's, it's something which is unnatural. To exert that kind of effort, to go through that kind of, you know, penitential practice without a goal, without a reason, without a motive, that's so pathetic, it's comical. His, he mindlessly set himself to do something without any reason whatsoever. It's an animal way of acting, to follow your instincts without any kind of rational goals. It's the height of stupidity. And what's even sadder is that a lot of people in our world are actually acting in that way. They might not run without a reason, but they're doing a lot of things without a clear reason as to why they're doing what they're doing. In today's gospel, when our Lord looked at the crowd, it says that his heart was moved with pity, an expression that describes deep emotional concern. The Greek word that's used expresses a compassion that really is springing up from the depths of one's being. It's not like, oh, that's too bad, but rather like really struck by the tragedy of what he's beholding. St. John Chrysostom wrote, he opens the depths of his mercy toward them. And he's not moved with pity because of any material deprivation. He's not moved with pity because they're very poor, because they're uneducated, because, they're rat because their clothes or their houses are in shambles. Like, it's not something physical that's moving his sacred heart to pity. What moved the sacred heart of Jesus to pity was their pointlessness. 
They were wandering through life without any clear goals, like sheep that wander through the countryside because they have no shepherd to direct them. The people of Israel were supposed to be led by their shepherds, you know, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, but their leaders were neglecting this role and had abandoned them. And so the people didn't know what to do, didn't know where to go, didn't know how to live. They were not geographically lost, but they were morally lost with regard of how to live and why to live in a particular way. As one exegete put it, they were bewildered and confused persons. And there's no doubt about it. The same Jesus who looked upon that crowd 2,000 years ago and saw them as sheep without a shepherd is also looking at our world today with, that same, with those same eyes of compassion because there's a lot of people in our age that are lost. Many people are lost, troubled, abandoned. They're like sheep without a shepherd. Viktor Frankl, he was a renowned 20th century Viennese psychologist who survived a Nazi camp, concentration camp. Viktor Frankl wrote that our era is one of existential frustration. And by that he meant to say that people experience a feeling of pointlessness in their own existence. He calls it an existential vacuum. At times, he says, people try and cover up this feeling of pointlessness with hyperactivity. You know, they're just so interested in doing stuff, they're so dedicated to just moving and being continuously active, not because they got a lot of stuff to do, but because they're horrified of sitting still and thinking about the bigger questions in life because they don't have answers. They don't know why they're here on earth. They don't know what the purpose of all this work is for. They don't know why they're working 80 hour weeks or why they're doing so many extracurricular activities. They don't have purposes of being always glued to the media or social networks. It's the lifestyle of sheep who have no shepherd to guide them. Like Forrest Gump, they just keep running all day. It's very impressive how much they run, but they don't really have a reason for running. And a failure to find purpose in life ultimately leads people to depression. The CDC's biannual Youth Risk Behavior Survey Data Summary and Trends Report for the last decade, it confirms that this problem of pointlessness is particularly prevalent among the youth. The report documented that 42% of U.S. high school teens in 2021 said they felt persistently sad or hopeless, and more than a fifth had serious thoughts of self-harm. And one commentator pointed out a number of contributing factors. You know, there's a crisis of hope. They don't think they can actually accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish. And that comes from a crisis of faith. They don't have anybody to guide them. They don't have any knowledge of what they're here to do. They don't, oh, they're not aware of a God who loves them. This commentator also talked about the multi-pronged crisis of the family as a contributing cause, especially the absence of father figures. It can create a crisis in the sense of feeling genuinely and stably loved. Being unconditionally and firmly loved is the real source of joy and provides hope in the midst of setbacks and contradictions. So if you don't have like a goal, a purpose, like a reason for doing all the stuff that you're doing, a reason to get out of bed in the morning, 
that's going to lead to some of this depression that we see so prevalent, especially among the youth, but far from exclusively among the youth. Jesus gives the solution to this problem of pointlessness in today's gospel. He chooses 12 men and he gives them a mission to drive out devils, heal the sick, and evangelize. That is to say, he gave them a vocation. He set those 12 aside for a very particular task. Those 12 were no longer amongst the lost sheep that were wandering without knowing where to go. They had been given a direction by the good shepherd. He set them on their custom-made path to salvation and happiness. By God's design, these 12 had just become the foundation stones of the church. Their role in life had been clearly established. They were no longer living pointless lives. And on the one hand, we have to seriously consider the possibility that somebody here is called by God to do something similar, to dedicate himself or herself and their entire life to the ministry. There might be a young man who God is calling to the priesthood. There might be a young woman who God is calling to be his bride. And so it's necessary for every unmarried man and woman to ask himself or herself if this is in fact God's plan for them. But the majority of people are not called to the priesthood or religious life, but they still have a God-given purpose in life. Everyone here exists for a reason. Everyone here on the face of the earth exists for a reason. God made you on purpose. You are not an accident. And for most people, the purpose he made you for was primarily marriage and parenthood. But along with that, along with being a father, a mother, a wife, a husband, along with that vocation that most people have, there's probably other tasks that God is calling upon you to accomplish. At the risk of being a little bit too bold, I would say that God needs you with a necessity akin to the way that it was necessary for Jesus to die on the cross. Because God could have saved the world some other way, right? He didn't have to have his son die on the cross. But this was the best way, and so the Holy Trinity deemed it necessary. God could have created a world where we don't actually do anything. We're just passive spectators. But he didn't. He made a world where we are really significant contributors. Our participation in his plan is going to change the world. Things are going to happen in the world if we are faithful that would not have happened if we were unfaithful. We are necessary because God has ordained reality in such a way that our efforts really contribute something. Now, we don't want to get overwhelmed by this. You know, the Lord is not asking us to do everything, but he is asking us to do everything we can, and that will make a big difference. And it can be intimidating, you know, thinking about having another child, thinking about getting married, committing your life to somebody for, for your life, committing yourself to somebody for your life, joining the seminary, joining the convent. These are intimidating things. But it's not a burden. It's a life-giving task. It will give life to others. So if you're called to be a father, for example, you are physically going to be begetting children. And it will also give life to yourself. To stop fulfilling your vocation would be as detrimental to your well-being as it would be for a shark to stop swimming. 
Your life is full of meaning and purpose and significance because God has chosen you for a mission. Many people have already discovered the principal overarching vocation in life, marriage, priesthood. We need to pray for them to persevere and they need to thank God for that gift of their vocation. It's not always easy, but it's clear. And it's better to know where to go, even if it's tough, than to be lost and wandering. But if you're someone who isn't already married, then it's a question of asking God to show you the way. Asking God to tell you what is it that he wants you to do in life. What is your vocation in life? If you are married, ask God what more he might be asking of you or how he wants you to continue doing what you're already doing. St. Joseph had some trouble finding his vocation. He thought he was supposed to marry the Blessed Virgin Mary, then he thought he was supposed to divorce her, and then, he, then an angel showed up and said, no, you really should marry her. And so he's somebody we can turn to when we are trying to discern. Let's ask him on this Father's Day to pray for all of us, especially fathers, to be as concerned about doing God's will as he was, and to be prompt in doing what God asks of us, just like he and the Blessed Virgin Mary did.